Hey everyone, quick announcement. It's that time of year again when I'm running one of my biannual coaching conversation projects. This is a great opportunity to get coached one-on-one -on -one by me for free. I do these projects for a couple of reasons. The first one is so that I can connect with all of the wonderful people who are not yet my clients and make sure that they know what coaching together is like and what it can do for them. So if you're curious, this could be a really great opportunity for you. The other reason I do these projects is to spread some seeds, to catalyze the systems change through self-development that I know is possible. So the theme for this project that I'm doing this fall is seeds of self-trust. And here's how it works. For the next 60 days, I will be giving away a 90-minute coaching conversation to 30 individuals. And if you want to be one of those lucky people, all you need to do is follow the link in the show notes and sign up. It's really simple. You can also just go straight to my website, katehollycom links. If you're wondering if this project is for you, let me tell you about the people that I want to talk to. Maybe you are someone who knows that you have brilliant ideas and that you want to be a change maker and that you have an important vision for the world. Maybe you are kind-hearted, integrity-driven, highly sensitive, or a critical thinker. Or in some way, your work is challenging the status quo. And here's what I know for folks like the ones I just described. If that's you, I know that self-trust is an absolute essential. And it can also be really hard to come by when you're inundated with cultural conditioning that makes you doubt yourself. When you're going against the grain that way, sometimes you need a little extra support to realize that you are doing what's in integrity for you. If that's you, please come talk to me and let's figure out what we can do so that you can create the confidence and the self-trust that you need to make the impact you're really capable of. Again, if you want to sign up for the project, just go to katehollycom links and check out the Seeds of Self-Trust. Hope to see you in there. Welcome to the Space Beyond Scarce podcast. I'm your host, life and business coach, Kate Hawley. I work with entrepreneurs and creative change makers who value depth, impact, and purpose. Many of my clients are like me, they dream of creating prosperity through the value they provide, but they also want equity for others and sustainability for our planet. The scarcity mindset of our culture tells us that this dream isn't possible, that we are not enough, that we don't have enough, that there is not enough for everyone, and that's just the nature of reality. But really, it's just the nature of predatory capitalism. I'm glad you're here because we are going to prove that sad story false and make better meaning to build our future with. Here we go. Welcome to the Space Beyond Scarce podcast. I am here today with Jessica Lackey. Jessica is a feminist strategy and operations advisor for soul-centered entrepreneurs and small businesses. She combines her deep experience in strategy consulting, Fortune 500 operations leadership, and a coaching and somatics practice to radically transform business owners for sustainable success. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Glad to be here, Kate. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Jessica and I know each other from our mutual teacher, mentor, coach, 
we've been on some fun retreats together. So it's really great to have you in this space. It's nice to be here. Even though we're a country apart, I feel like we are very connected. I'm excited for the conversation today. Me too. So Jessica, you have listened to my podcast a little bit. So, you know, I usually like to start with asking my guests about scarcity mindset, which is the subject that we center or at least jump off from. What does scarcity mindset mean to you? I think for me, it's that sense that we don't have enough, which means we have to grind it out and rush and try to get to the next level of security, particularly coming from a corporate background. It's like, well, I'm not secure here at this level in my organization, so I must need to reach for that higher and higher and higher rung, and there's never enough. There's never enough success. There's never enough growth. That's, I think, what scarcity consciousness means for me and my background. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I don't have a corporate background. I do have some clients who are deeply embedded with a corporate background, but can you say a little bit more about what is it you think about that corporate culture that you are familiar with that leads to a sense that you're never safe or you never have enough? Well, I started out in consulting where legitimately you weren't allowed to stay at a particular level in the organization for more than three years. You had to move up or out, like that was formalized. So there was never a path for stability until you got to the senior ranks of the organization. But by then you'd already, unless this was your life's gift, you'd already sacrificed, you know, 10 to 20 years being on the road and having to constantly sell all the time. So that's where it started. Literally, you can't stay at a given level. You have to always be looking to move up. And then it moved into the more corporate setting. If you're an individual contributor, you need to be a manager. If you're a manager, you need to be a senior manager. You're always fighting to get in the top third of the rankings of people at the end of the year so that you can get access to mentorship opportunities and you know, sponsorship opportunities to get your next role. Because if you settled in a particular role level in, in the hierarchy, you are considered to be not a performer because performers mm-hmm. must want to continue to get more and more. And as you go up in the hierarchy, it just, you're fighting that trend every step of the way. Yeah. It sounds like an intense work climate. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about, I know that you worked in that type of environment for for quite a while, and then you recently pivoted. Do you want to share a little bit about your background and how you ended up changing your focus? Yeah. So I started my career in consulting, um, had an engineering background, did consulting. And then what does one do after working in a top consulting firm? One goes to a top three business school, because that's just what you do when you're on this path. And then one goes with their MBA to a big fortune 50 company. I went to Nike and worked there for seven years until I looked at my life 10 years after I graduated from business school and realized I was miserable and exhausted and had no life and had no friends because work was everything that my life was centered on and I didn't have hobbies and I had a bit of a breakdown. And that's when I thankfully was living in the world of Portland, Oregon, where I had access to healers and spiritual leaders and guides that helped me see that there was different paths available to us. 
So I moved to Charlotte to be near my family, took another job as an operations leader, but then 18 months ago decided that it was time to not continue putting my body at the altar of corporate profits and to leap out to do my own thing. Yeah, so exciting. That was, you know, right in the middle of, I think, when I met you and when we were connecting. So it's cool to see that you've made the leap. Now that you are 18 months out from what sounds like a pretty significant lifestyle change, career change, even we could say scarcity mindset change in the sense that you pivoted from a place of a story of this is how you gain safety and security. This is how you gain enough. You have to do it this way. And so I'm curious, like, what did you have to do around your mindset or around your beliefs to be able to make that leap? And how are you feeling about it now? There's two things I want to say about the leap, because the feeling that there's always more to do and there's always a right way to do it is definitely present in the online coaching industry space. But for me, I realized I I made the pivot when COVID happened and I just realized, I mean, that was a life shock for everybody that it was now was the time. Now I couldn't put it off any longer. I had my finances lined up. I had my housing situation lined up. Um, I did not want to go back in the office and it was just all signs point to it's, it's now or never. Uh, You have to make the leap if you're going to make the leap. So I left to start building my own business, which is a strategy advising and operations consulting company for small businesses, because I realized that one, I didn't want to continue giving of my gifts to make, you know, I hate to say it, uh, rich white men richer. That was not what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my life and my time. But in order to do that, I had to get really comfortable with the knowledge that it would take me 18 months to build stability in my business, not because of a mindset issue or a money mindset issue, but because building a business takes time. When I got out, I realized that there's an entire industry of people waiting to help you circumvent that mindset and blame it on you because they're taking advantage of your conditioning. And so that's my mission is to how, how do I, in my new business, help break down the myths about how quickly you can build an online business or build any kind of small business. I just see the scarcity trap replicated from corporate into particularly the life coaching industry, which just boggles my mind. Of course it's there, but it doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to get into this a little bit more. I think what I'm sensing here is another paradox and the paradox I just heard you point to, and you tell me if I got this correct. I think there's a way of interpreting like manifestation and abundance and whatever is the opposite of scarcity mindset as you can do anything you want. You can do it as quickly as you want. And you know what I did, I'm rags to riches. I did it overnight. If I did it, you can do it too. Like, you know, there's kind of this big talk, right? In the online business or the coaching or just kind of the whole movement towards entrepreneurship. There's some talk about how you can make every single dream you've ever had come true. You can make it come true on your exact terms, on your exact timeline. And while some of that for me as a coach, I always keep a really open mind. Like, I don't know how long something's going to take. I don't like to assume one way or the other, but I do see, and I think because you and I have talked about this a bit, I do see the harm that I think people are starting to get the impression because they're listening to these multimillionaire, really big 
names in the industry who have, who have actually been working on their businesses for 10, 20 years, who are saying it's going to be so easy for you. And part of the reason they're saying it is because their business is predicated on I'll teach you how, come to me and, and pay me, and I'll show you also how to become a millionaire overnight. So what's weird about that, I guess the paradox that I'm sensing is that I do think overcoming scarcity mindset is partly about opening yourself to what's possible and opening yourself to the possibility that things could be really awesome, that you actually could have like a win-win-win situation in your life. You actually could be doing what you love and making enough money doing it and not hustling so hard and working so much that you never see your kids or whatever the thing is. I really believe that. But I think that what you're saying is that some of these people kind of take that message and they actually turn it on you. They use it on you as like a dangling this thing that you're then still back on the hamster wheel, just chasing, chasing, chasing. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's a difference in this high vibes only manifestation mindset versus being open to the magic and possibility that's here for us. And we are being sold, it's so easy, you can do it. If you pay me this money to teach you how I did it. And that when you fail at doing it, because it's not your way, it's not rooted in your gifts, it's not rooted in your soul, it's rooted in what worked for them, then you failed and therefore you either keep paying them to tell you what to do, or you are out your money. And there's this hierarchy of, well, I did it, you can do it too. And one, you're right, there's the what happened in the background, like what really happened in the 10 years they were building their business. But also, we don't see that just like in corporate, you have one influential person that advocates for everybody. And so do they make it based on their own merit? There's merit involved. But were they plucked out of the level they were at and like right rode the coattails of someone else you're damn right they did and that doesn't get talked about you know people who launch this course academy were put on someone else's platform and basically built as their protege well that's how they grew that really fast and i think manifestation can be you know how do you put yourselves in the rooms with the right people and open yourself up to the possibility that that's happening but i also think that it's short-circuiting our analysis about the fundamentals of your business that are required to grow sustainably. So I just, I find yeah. it, it's like the, it's like the diet industry of, you know, we're going to, mm. we're going to get you subscribed to our program and we know that it can be done, but only if you do it this way. And if you don't do it, you're just going to keep paying to come back. So it's really not a benefit for us for you to figure mm -hmm. out how to do it on your own, because if you do, then you won't pay us anymore. That is a great comparison to compare it to the diet industry because it's the quick fix, like lose 30 pounds in 30 days. It's also using your vulnerabilities against you in the marketing strategies, right? Which like, oh, you're so broke <laughs> and you're so tired of being so broke and you're working so hard and you're so tired of working so hard. And, you know, in diet culture, it's exploiting toxic body shaming patriarchy to trigger people's shame and their body image issues. So I, I love that comparison. And, you know, of course, yeah, there's people it works for, right? There's people that those fast silver bullet, whatever, I did Weight Watchers and it worked, or I did the million dollar yada yada and it worked. And so those people are held up, but it, I think it is really misleading. And I find that with some of the clients I work with that they're actually not coming in with a realistic idea of how 
patient. They're going to need to be how committed over such a long time that it's really a lot more about just stay in the game and figure out what you need to do to stay in the game. Don't worry about expecting that you're going to send out one email and you're going to be an overnight success. It just doesn't work that way. So I think it is a challenge. I'd love to hear from you a little bit because I know you've really been building your business and you have this background in more high-level corporate consulting. So what are you doing differently to support this kind of culture change that you're talking about from whatever that diet industry version of business growth is to like, what's the alternative that you're working on? Yeah, I think the alternative that I'm working on is trying to be straightforward about what it takes to build this business. I'm going to tell you that it's in every stage of business, these stages take varied amounts of time for people based on the background they come in with, based on the privilege that they have, based on the access to capital or cash that they have. And so how do we move in eyes wide open to say, this is not to say you can't do it, but it is to say, these are the advantages that other people coming in have that maybe we don't have here. So let's be realistic and make sure your needs are taken care of. The fact that we don't in the coaching industry, we kind of make it an all or nothing proposition, like leap to your dream job. And I'm like, how about you leap to a part-time job and build your business on the side? That's what I had to do. I had to take corporate consulting contracts almost all of last year as I built my business, as I decided, as I stepped out of the corporate mindset into this feminist regenerative way to build business, it took me 12 months to land on some IP. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew the direction I wanted to be in, but I didn't, even me coming from a business background, I didn't have the mind space to be able to build it while I was working my super intense job. So instead of going from all or nothing, and expecting to make that money in six months to replace my corporate salary, I got a bridge job. I got part-time work to support me in building the business. So that's one, it's like just being honest about the time it takes. But then I think two is being normalizing lower levels of support, more intimate levels of support, because a lot of these coaching containers I'm seeing, like coach mentorship containers are really expensive. And I don't think you should have to put out a second mortgage in order to be taught the fundamentals of business. What is the fundamentals of a marketing strategy? What is the fundamentals of how you need to think about running your calendar and planning? These are basic things that if you didn't come from my background, you may not know, but instead of telling you what to do, I want to help you learn what to think about how to solve it for yourself and then be supported in a way that's not extractive for like a long term. Like you may need to be in the containers that I want to build for six to 12 months actually six months minimum, you may need to be at an 18 months before you're feeling like, yeah, like I've got these rhythms down. But if you charge too much money up front to make the coach feel better, to get those high rev months that you put in the income claims and marketing, like, oh my God, that's how much money I'm making. Well, then it's extractive to your clientele and it's not going to be support them and allow them the flexibility to make the other investments they're going to need to make at the various stages of the business. Those are two of the things that I'm trying to disrupt. Yeah. Say a little more, because I think I hear you saying a lot of what's out there is really expensive, and that can be true. But I also see, and I know you and I have talked about this, there's also a lot of what I would say is more affordable coaching support out there that comes in these really giant programs that are actually, there's no one-to-one support at all. It's all workbooks and PDFs and stuff. And that can work for some folks, but it really can leave a lot missing depending on what you're already showing up to the table with, right? So. Like those are really great when you want to get inspired 
by a large community of people and there you want to network and you know but you're going to be in those giant big programs you can get lost there's some moderation but you're left to the devices of the success coach you're left kind of to fend for yourself and if you don't have a support system in place in the rest of your life it's incredibly hard to make traction and really understand okay well why am i doing this and get the support you really need and so i think there's this spectrum in between deep one-to-one coaching that might be honestly overkill for some people in the early business staging process you might be like oh i want some deep coaching but then i need to go do it and i need a mindset overcome and then i need to go do it and put it in place versus excavate 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 sometimes you just need that but sometimes you just be like okay let me go do the things let me go do the one thing and then i'll come back and let me go do the one thing and i'll come back and then there's this this you know super giant container with thousands of people in it where you might get coached but are you really getting coached you're just really getting advice i think there's this middle ground of supportive programs that can fit people around a dinner table where you get to be seen you get to be witnessed you get to be held you get to learn not just like what to do, but why, and get supported through light coaching where it's um, maybe not the deep level of transformation emotionally that you would get in a one-on-one container, but is radically supportive in a way that's really like guides you where your life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finding that sweet spot of wherever you're at, and it sounds like a mix of mindset and strategy what you're talking about. And this is, are we talking about your upcoming program? Because I know that you are going to share with us. You have a new program that you're about to launch, right? Yes. I'm launching this program because of what I saw that I needed when I was in business. Corporate culture let me do one thing, which is spend a whole lot of money on a whole lot of courses and learn a whole lot of things. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I have taken courses in social media marketing and copywriting, in sales, in business building 101. I have an MBA. I've done a lot of learning and I also take courses on tarot and I'm a holistic nutritionist because this is hot learning as my hobby. How do we bring all those things together in digestible chunks for people who are already overwhelmed, who are already busy, who are just like, what the hell do I do next? And how do we distill it into actionable frameworks that people can implement over time that felt missing in from like a natural rooted sense. That's not like, I'm just not going to teach you how to do it. I'm not just going to give you the playbook, but I'm going to give you the tools to really come up with a model that works for you and your roots. It's called hundred K your way, not because hundred K is the number you need to have. It's called that because that's a marker of, at least in what I've seen in the U S what kind of the revenue number you need to be sustainable in. Yeah life, depending on your financial situations with your, with a partner or with children. So that's a nice number that says that's generally what your business might need to make to be sustainable, but that's not right for everybody. Some people need to make 200 K. Some people need to make 40 K at like a super high margin offer. So how do we be supportive of that? But how do we build it in a way that's allows for integration support and business building basics that I don't see a lot of other places. Yeah. So this is your 100K your way. You said that it's launching in October. Did I get that right? You did. Yes. Sweet. We'll definitely share info for anyone who's looking for the type of business support you're talking about. 
I want to ask you about business. I want to ask you about business, Jessica. <laughs> so you have your what you have your MBA from Harvard, right? Yep. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> so that's like one of those intimidating degrees for you know folks who are like scrappy small business owners. I remember I used to assume that people who had really high level business degrees knew all the things that I didn't know that I needed to know to make my little scrappy small business successful. And what I started to realize over time is that it seemed like maybe that's not actually true, that what you're learning in business school is a totally different skill set made for a totally different type of business. But I'm curious about that. Will you just demystify this for me a little bit? Because you really have. You've taken all the little scrappy courses, you know. So I want to know, what's your perspective on that? Harvard Business School is an interesting. It teaches you how to be fluent in the corporate land of business. But it also teaches you how to think critically and speak authentically, like it's all case study work. So I think what it really taught me is how to understand what I was reading from a business lens, but it didn't teach me how to implement it. It's like, I learned about accounting, but what does it really mean? And I learned marketing frameworks, but it it left a lot to be desired from like a real grounded, how do I do this perspective? They didn't talk at all about some of the most important things that I think about from a business owner perspective, which is calendar management, time management, planning, prioritization, maybe because I'm a planner, but I learned everything I learned about strategic planning from working at Nike in a strategic planning job about how to set a big vision and how to translate that into what do I do today? And I learned a lot of things I learned about time management and productivity. You know, there's toxic productivity that is all about grind yourself to excess productivity that's going to be actually make you more fragile in the long run. But then there's good practices about how do you focus? How do you truly understand like breaking goals down from big items to small next steps? So I've learned those in other places, but I think this concept of you need to have an MBA to be in business is you need to have an MBA to be promoted in a corporate environment. You do not need to have an MBA Mm -hmm. to be in business and actually going to get an MBA to try to be in business as a small business owner is actually the absolute wrong move. It's not even close to what you need to do. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think there are a lot of small business owners. I know this was me, you know, eight years ago when I first kind of went into business where I was so intimidated and there was a lot of, just to circle back to scarcity mindset, there was a lot of like, well, I don't know enough about business. I'm not good enough at this type of thing for me to be able to do this. I just know my craft, my skill, my vision, my values. I know how to relate to people. I know how to connect to people. And it took me so long to realize, oh, all of the things I know how to do are the real skills of business, especially at that level. And I think I wasted a lot of time and energy and fretting around (laughs) thinking that there was some right way to do things that some, you know, business guru, some business expert would know that I don't know. And if anything, it's really been a long process of, yeah, a demystifying process of saying, oh, that's actually not how this works. Even the like sort of traditional business courses I did take, they felt to me pretty rooted in scarcity thinking. Yeah. Like, you know, the standard business stuff is like, well, do a competitive analysis, right? Figure out if there's other people in the market doing what you're doing. Like, which to me, it was so dysregulating for me actually to do a competitive analysis because it made me feel like, oh, does that mean, okay, there's other yoga studios in town. Does that mean I can't have one? Does that mean there isn't room for one? What do I have to do 
to know that I'm going to be bringing something of value that isn't already here. And it was so easy for me to turn that on myself. And I think that's true for everyone going into business, especially if you're going into a quote unquote saturated market. Was that your experience too, that it's really rooted in a scarcity framework of competition and territorialism? Definitely. I'm also, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the purpose of business that I was taught is to make profit for shareholders and it's to grow that profit for shareholders. And so if you're a publicly traded company, you operate fully in scarcity mindset because you have to show results every quarter. And you and I know that like what we're talking about with transforming companies, small businesses, that takes time to try things, to bring innovation to market. You either have to be private and well-capitalized or you end up not doing innovation. And I think that's, you know, we were, when I was in business school in traditional business is about how do you make profit for shareholders? Not how do you take care of all stakeholders, knowing that taking care of all stakeholders, including your company, your employees, your environment, societal fabric, you know, donut economics, Kate Rayworth, those are all our stakeholders. And if we're focused on growth for the sake of growth, for the sake of Wall Street, we're not taking care of, we're playing into that scarcity mindset and that you have to not be last because if you're last, then you don't make money. And unless you're a monopoly, and by the way, the monopolies don't become that without a whole lot of like other nefarious government regulations and things like that behind the scenes, you know, you're not really gonna be left alone. So it's all about competition for each other versus Mm -hmm. I think in the coaching space and then a lot of the small business space, um, part of the, the work we're doing in the world is not competing with each other for clients, but it is being evangelists for a new world of thinking and helping Mm -hmm. to bring forth that if you don't know there's a problem, you don't go looking for a solution. So as part of the coaching industry, we're still helping evangelize the message that there's a different way to operate in the world. And so it's less that we're fighting with each other and more about we're fighting with the patriarchy and the gatekeepers Mm -hmm. of letting, when people know that there's a new way of being in the world, they're like, well, of course I need a coach and I'm going to find the one that matches with me. But I think that's where we are taught to fight against each other, not we are taught to advocate for a vision of a new world and to help lead people on that journey. Yeah, that's exactly the conclusion that I came to when I was going through this period of considering opening a yoga studio. And then, you know, another studio owner in town actually said to me, oh, I think the market's really saturated. (laughs) There's not room for another studio in town. And I was like, what do you mean by the market? Because there's all these people out there who don't do yoga, whose lives would be totally changed for the better if they did yoga. In fact, there had been at the time a recent think it was the Yoga Alliance did this survey or this poll that showed that something like 40% of Americans said that they've never tried yoga, but they should. Like they they had it already planted in their mind of like, that's something I should probably do. So there's a lot of people, a lot of people who want this or need this and either don't know about it, haven't shown up for it yet, haven't seen the offer put in the way where it would actually resonate with them or feel safe to them or accessible to them. And it's that way with anything, right? So to me, I tend to think it's your job to create the market. There isn't a pre-existing market for something unless, I guess, maybe if you're selling, I don't know, 
I'm trying to think. Strawberries? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of something. I mean, it's the only market that's really created, I think, is like everyone has to do their taxes. So like tax break software, but you don't have to go to the doctor, right? The doctors, they're available for you, but doctors have to tell people when to come see them and give them incentives to mm -hmm. do their annual checkups and remind people that they need to get screened for colon cancer. That's marketing. And we forget that doctors have to do that too. But to your point, it's not about, there's a, in business, we learned the SWOT analysis, strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats. But, you know, I think someone I follow on Instagram is like, what about your strengths is like what you're gifted at and opportunities and threats, instead of it being a competitive analysis, it's like, what is your vision for the world you want to see? And who do you fiercely care about? And what need is not being met for them? And how in your world and your heart and your business, can you work with people that are not getting their needs met and that you fiercely care for? And yeah. if they don't even know that their needs are not getting met, how can you be alongside them for the long period of time for them to become aware that there's a new way of being in their life and to then work with you in that way. And that education process takes time. And that's where that going to that scarcity mindset is, it's not that there's not enough people to work with us, but it is, there is a attention economy that's probably more powerful that then we have to say, what's the way that we are going to disrupt that and disrupt the hold that some of these products have on us that keep us stuck in the stuck oh my god i can't believe i just said stuck in the matrix but that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> yes totally stuck in the matrix and i mean i almost i love the the image that's kind of arising of since i really understood what small business is i got so passionate about it and i really saw it as a really a revolutionary tool like a tool for liberation that almost does feel like it's incredibly counterculture if what mainstream culture is, is these giant publicly traded companies who are establishing a culture of scarcity and who are establishing this real lack of quality, lack of innovation, and they're just systemically gutting everything that matters in the country. <laughs> Not to be dramatic about it, but you know, like we're just watching the climate be destroyed. We're watching human beings shoved into poverty and homelessness. We're watching mental health crisis on the rise. We're watching millions of people who don't have job satisfaction and who don't even believe that's a possibility and whose employers really don't even care what they're good at. You know what I mean? Who really don't even care what their gifts are. Like we're watching this stripping away of the fabric and the quality of life. We're watching our democracy crumble, right, mm -hmm. as we speak. And it's not at all unrelated to this exact way of thinking and the forces and the powers and the money that is is all tied up together with it. And so there's something to me that's so cool and as an opportunity to say, when we go into business for ourselves and we radically change the culture and we prove actually people would rather, they find more value in these things, in these values, in connecting with each other, in building real relationships than they do in going to some big box store and having an empty consumer exchange, right? Yeah. And I think we have to equip those small businesses with not the business school knowledge, but real world experience of how to manage their books, how to create a marketing experience, how to survive and thrive in the environment that we're in. Also, I'm looking at small business as 
a way personally for me to reconnect with a community that I, I lost. I was in corporate. I was, I was literally trapped in a building. I say that with love, but for at least when I was living in Charlotte, I spent 12 hours a day, five or more days a week in a building with the same 10 people in it every single day. And I mean, there was more people than that, but I just, that's who I talked to. And I didn't have the mind space to think deeply about problems. All I could do was think about how I was going to do my next PowerPoint presentation and how I was going to run through the next meeting. And I just, I didn't have the mind space to think about it for being in small business allows me the opportunity to engage with my community on a larger scale and contribute to causes I care about and be active in companies, you know, a lot of female led companies who are going to transform the way we operate. It allows me to hire people on my team or create like a little micro economy of the people that I mm -hmm. am in relationship with. And it's not transactional, it's relational. And when the world burns, it's going to be relationships that are the backstop for everything. And if you're too busy floating through life, sacrificing your gifts for someone else's profit, instead of building relationships that carry with you through the stages of life, like who's going to take care of you and who's going to be there with you when the structures in our society start, start to fail. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the hope is that we can rekindle and revitalize the small business economy, the micro business economy. And I really appreciate the work you do in helping to make that a practical endeavor for folks who maybe that's not something that's in their wheelhouse. So is there anything I haven't asked you about that you wanted to talk about today? I think I want to talk about the, like the revelation of going from meeting you. And when we met three or four years ago, feminism seemed like this, like, ideal of, oh my God, I can't do that. I'm not good. I'm too corporate-y to be a culture maker, to be a change maker, to be a feminist. Like I'm too corporate-y. And just as maybe other people have insecurities about not having enough business background, I'm like, do I have enough social justice chops and feminist chops to play in the space of being the integrator or the support system to someone who's got real, got like huge visions and is schooled in feminist theory and has done the reading and has done the homework. Like I'm a year, 18 months into this journey and you've been on it for decades, your whole life. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'd love to hear more. So tell me about what happened. What was it? Did you say it was 18 months ago where you sort of had a, I don't know, would you call it a political awakening? Like what happened for you that kind of made you shift and be like, oh, you know what? I, I want to move into that space and I want to actually talk about that stuff. Yeah, I'd been, I'd been coaching with our mutual coach for a while, realizing the toxicity of the environment I'd been in. And so I've been kind of slowly opening since 2018 to the power of spirit and the power of soul and the power of women and the change that we're able to make together. But I just started to scratch the surface. And then I meet someone like you in 2019 and my ears are already primed for new ways of, of working and living in the world. And I'm like, oh, like there's different economic models. Like GDP growth is not the thing we should be striving for. And I continue to see people thrive that have more of a social justice mind. And then 
when I freed up my time and then I had a couple of really crucial conversations around that, like 18 months ago when I left, I just started following the rabbit hole of stuff I found interesting, like books I hadn't had a chance to read and thinkers that I hadn't met before. And then when you have some extra time, when you're not working 70 hours a week, you end up, oh, there's an entire like body of work that is influential and impactful and also is teaching me all the conditioning I learned in corporate. Like the scarcity mindset that when you don't work in corporate is probably built. There's an entirely different scarcity mindset that's very similar, they're related, but it's an entirely different. I'm like, oh, you mean the government policies designed me to want to work like this because I need to have health insurance and like it was designed that care wasn't valued and all these things that, you know, it's designed like Google and Apple design their workspaces on purpose so that you work there all the time and they divorced you from your friends so that you would be always needing a job because you needed it for your health insurance, but you also needed it for your friends. Like that's all the corporate conditioning that I had coming into this. And so meeting people like you, I'm like, oh, they don't have that conditioning, you know, maybe different stories and different backgrounds, but I'm like, oh, there's an entirely new body of being here. But as I moved into the more feminist space, I feel like I got like triggered by not feeling not corporate enough. Like, am I too corporate-y? Am I too conventional mm -hmm. for this path? And that's something I've been unlearning for the past two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's awesome. I mean, I think it's an amazing journey to go from being a Harvard Business School graduate at the level that you were at to wanting to radically change the system and shift. I wish that m more people from the corporate space were doing that line of study and inquiry. And, uh, you know, I think there are people out there who do both, right, who are like balancing their real awareness of the systems and the injustices at play and a vision for a better world. And they're also leveraging corporate expertise yeah. and positioning and power to try to do that. And I think that's awesome. It's not my personal background because I've definitely been I once I once was working with this client who said their problem was that they had been so institutionalized that they couldn't picture being out of the institution and I almost have the opposite where I'm like I've never been in the institution so I can't I don't even know how you get in yeah. like <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to begin yeah. with so I'm just out here <laughs> but I will say that you know especially for a lot of coaches it's becoming more and more present in my world as as you mentioned, the, the forces that we used to think were secure in our society, like the government and the weather and the banks and, you know, things like that, as they start to show for anyone who's actually paying attention, like it's irreversible signs. People are starting to wake up. People are starting to question and think more deeply about it. But then there's this how construct and concept of like, okay, well, now I know that there's a problem. What do I do about it and how to we not make it my individual fault that I'm in this situation? And how do we help people recognize that burnout and climate change is not your individual problem, it's systemic. And here's some individual things you can do and here's some system change movements that you can be a part of. I think there's this growing body of people that don't know the how and are terrified to jump. And so I think coaching for those, coaching for people about like making peace with what they're like when you come out of the chrysalis of corporate, you're like, oh, this is what's happening. And I needed a coach for a very long time to help me make sense of all that. And then 
what do you do next for light walkers like you who have been out of the institution for a while and you're like, no, come in. It's fine over here. Uh, <laughs> I think there's, there's a large need for people who have always been, and I think this is what goes back to the, the corporate versus the entrepreneurial industrial complex is someone always told you what to do and you had to play by their rules and you got success by playing by their rules. And the minute you realize that their rules are rigged for them and the house always wins and you have to find your own playbook and you have to find your own rules to how you want to live your life. We were never taught how to do that in school. We weren't taught how to do that and jobs weren't taught how to do that. So the need for teachers that help not just show the how, but they embody their own how and to support them energetically and emotionally throughout the way, that's only going to increase as people get frustrated and they're like, well, what do I do now? Because for the entirety of their mm -hmm. life, they've had instructions and those aren't valid outside of the institutions that we've been raised in. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for that phrase, by the way. I like thinking of myself as a what light walker. Yeah. So it's very like Jedi, very Jedi. Um, <laughs> and I also love your analogy there with the gambling, the casino, the house always wins. Everything is rigged in favor of the systems that you're playing nice with. And I think a lot about if there's one thing I've tried to do, it's to invest in myself, not in external promises of, you know, invest in this and this is going to transform something. So I do invest in other people's services, but only if what they can do is to help me grow and help me expand my own potential. And I think that's in my brain, that's the best gamble you can make because it's your house, <laughs> you yes. know, and like you're there, you get to decide what you do with those inner resources. You get to decide how to actualize them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the only way to move forward. Yeah. I love that. Well, okay, so I'm going to do some linking in the show notes for Jessica's program and work. Is there anywhere in particular or any specific ask that you might have of the listeners today of what action they might take next? If you'd like to hear more from me, I send out my Radical Strategy Sunday newsletter every Sunday filled with actionable strategies to help you build that rooted business. So I look forward to seeing you on the newsletter. Sweet. Okay. We'll make sure to link that as well. It was so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. And yeah, I hope 100K Your Way is a successful launch and brings all the right people that belong there to the dinner table with I hope you. So. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Space Beyond Scarce. If you enjoyed this episode, please go over to Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps out a new podcaster. Thank you.